Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Well, we've got a lot going on, don't we? So if you uh, feel like you haven't had a place to get involved, there's plenty to do, and it's a great thing. Here is part of God's kingdom. We've been talking uh, for the past several weeks about really being in God's kingdom as a Christian and someone who knows the word because it's really our theme here is to know God's word but also to live his word and to spread his word. So we've dedicated the past several weeks to talking about knowing God's word. want to launch into talking about living God's word, making practical application, putting some sense around it, and then putting it into our lives, living the word. We'll spend some time on this topic because it really is where the rubber meets the road for Christians. Probably the most challenging part about being a Christian is actually living as a Christian, living daily God's word and doing what it has for us and how it directs us. So we'll do that for the next few weeks. And I begin this morning with just a single verse of Scripture to really set the, set the theme and be the springboard for the remainder of the weeks. And that's from Psalm 119. You might remember as we talked about knowing God's Word, we began with Psalm 119. It's a fantastic psalm about God's Word, about His statutes, His commandments, His precepts, all of it. And I have one verse from Psalm 119, verse number 9. And it reads this way. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. It's a great little nugget of scripture. It would actually work excellent in a catechism book. It's actually a, just the greatest question and answer because it's a short question and a short answer, a compelling question followed by a succinct answer that gives truth. Would be perfect for a catechism book. And we're going to consider both sides of it, the question and the answer. The question posed is what? It's simple, straightforward. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Now, some English translations of the Bible give a little different uh, translation, give a little different reading. We heard Reverend Barry speak from the message this morning. And the message version says, how can a young person live a clean life? The New Living Translation says, how can a young person stay pure? The New King James says, how can a young man cleanse his way? So the question here has to do with getting clean or pure and then staying that way. And there's some things implied by this question. First, if there is a path of purity, then it's implied there's another path. There's a path of uncleanness. There's a path of impurity. From birth, we're all born in sin. And there's no solution. No one other than Jesus Christ is the solution. No solution other than him. Because Jesus was the only one who was born without the stain of sin, without the impurity and the uncleanness that goes with sin. At some point in all of our lives, 
we need to be cleansed. We need to be purified from sin. And people chafe at this. People chafe at the very thought that they would be called or associated as a sinner. They say things like, oh, I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. I'm not a sinner. But the Bible says something different. It says, surely I was a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That's Psalm 51. Job, the man of sorrow in the Old Testament, speaking about mortals being born of a woman, he said, who can bring what is pure from the impure? No one, he says with an exclamation, implying, you know, the human condition is not clean from birth. And Paul, the New Testament apostle, he wrote to the church in Rome and he, he said, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. In this way, death came to all people because all sin. And Paul went on to write just a few lines later. He said, for if many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many. Just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul tells us Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to be, for us to be cleansed from sin, to exit from the impure path, if you will, and enter onto the pure path. So in a sense, the question posed in Psalm 119 It's a reminder. It's a reminder to those who are on the right path, those who are on the impure path, that they've put something behind them. They're no longer on the path of impurity or the the unclean path. And there's a second implication here in this question. The question mentions youth. It has something to do with youth. How can a young man or a young person stay on this path The implication is that we should very early on, when we are young, recognize the need to stay on the path of purity. Now, young can mean natural age. In the age of our youth, get on the right track. Get on the right path. Stay pure. That's why we want to have a strong youth ministry here at Bethesda and why we offer classes and why we offer services to the youth and special times to the youth like our youth camp that was last week. It was excellent. Julie and I were able to witness the youth bonding and working with one another in team activities and competitions and building themselves up. But also we saw how they were building themselves spiritually. They had morning devotions. They had afternoon prayer. They had evening services. And these young people were encouraged. They were encouraged through this experience at camp to stay on the right path, to stay on the path called the path of purity. And they were strengthened and they were supported by the camp counselors and by the speaker that was there and the leaders. They were strengthened and supported to do just that, to remain on that path. But I believe we can make another application to the sense of this word young. It doesn't necessarily mean young in the natural sense. Last week, I 
read a scripture to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It was the first verse, and Paul referenced people who were mere infants in Christ. Well, these were adult people. They were not infants. They were not just born. But he says, you are infants in Christ. So they were young. They were young in their spiritual life. I had lunch with a fellow from our congregation this week. I met him about 14 years ago or so. And he had come to Jesus Christ. He was on a different path. But He came to Christ this 14 years ago or so, and he was cleansed, and he began to walk the path of purity. I'm having lunch with him. He's not 14 years old. So the sense of this idea of young and then growing, it doesn't have to do with just natural. My friend, he was about 60 when his life was altered, and he has stayed on the path. He has stayed on the course for the past 14 years. And even as I was uh, in the throes of uh, transitioning the past number of weeks, I've been going through file drawers and uh, cleaning up things. I came across this man's testimony and was reminded of what God had done in his life. And he's here and he's active and he's working hard in the body of Christ. So I think it fits very nicely to say that those who are early or young naturally, this verse can speak to them. But it can speak to those who are really early or just young in their spiritual life. And they need to stay on the pure path. But you know what? It's not just for the young either. It's for all of us. We need to all stay on this path. If we've entered the path, we need to stay on it. And the earlier one gets on the right road and the right path, the better all together. So those are two implications in the question. There's a third one. And it's an implication that's implied in every question. What's the answer? Is there a remedy? Is there an answer to this question? How can a young person stay on the path of purity? As I said, this brief little passage, it's fitting for a catechism book because directly after the question... Right to the point, an answer is given. It's straightforward. It's plainly stated. And it says, By living according to God's word. Live the word. Knowing the word is not enough. Having knowledge requires something more. We have to add to knowledge application. And to live according to what it is that we are learning from God's word. So the psalmist poses the question. And as he poses the question, he employs a metaphor. The question didn't ask how a person can stay pure. No, the question says, how can a person stay on the path of purity? And the answer tells us living according to God's word. So there's a connection here to life and a path. Living and a road if you will. They're associated. The metaphor gives this picture, doesn't it, of life as a journey along a road or a pathway. And it's a common metaphor. It's not something that's uh, unusual. We have heard it before. Life is a journey. And we know. We know from experience. We know from living life. There's more than one road we can take, isn't there? We can follow many different roads. 
Jesus said, he said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Jesus employs the metaphor of the road. He goes on. Small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Jesus says there's at least two roads. One's wide, one's easy, one's broad. Unfortunately, it leads to destruction. But narrow, there's a narrow road and it leads to life. The narrow road is this path the psalmist is talking about. The narrow road is the path of purity. And to follow it, we need guidance and we need direction. We need a map of sorts. And Psalm 19 tells us the map is God's word. We need to live according to the word. And better than that, better than a map, it's really the original GPS. This is God's positioning system right here. You want to know where you need to be? This is what you need to consult. You've got his word. It's the God positioning system. God wants us to stay on a particular path. And the GPS of the word doesn't just lay out the right road to follow. It shows you how to get on the right road. Now, I know for sure that's better than my GPS. You know, I've been in my car. I've got this... GPS, the global positioning system, supposed to tell me everything. And I have gotten on side roads or I've been in certain places. And you know what it says to me? It says, proceed to the route. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Proceed to the route. Well, how do I proceed to the route? I'm off on a two track somewhere and I get proceed to the route. It doesn't help, does it? I need to get on the right road. It's not telling me how to get on the right road. Well, let me tell you, God's positioning system, it'll tell you how to get on the right road. If you're off on a side road, if you're off in some, uh, you know, I used to say you're off in the giggle weeds, you're off in the weeds somewhere. God's word. It tells us, it guides us, it shows us how to get on the right road. And the way to get on the right road with God in the beginning, it starts with repentance. Repentance. Repentance from the Greek word metanoia. And it's a compound word, metanoia. The first part, meta, means change. Like our word metamorphosis, a change in form. Meta, the prefix, it means change. The second part, of metanoia, noia. And it has to do with the mind. We have words like anoia and paranoia. They mean something that has to do with the mind. So when we put them together, meta and noia, we have change and we have mind. Literally, repentance means change your mind. And if you change your mind, it means you're going to change your direction. You're going to go some, somewhere different. You're not going to keep along the same way. Repentance means you're going to change. You're going to turn around. You're going to go a different direction. God doesn't tell us, proceed to the route. He says, repent. Turn around. He gives us some instruction. The gospel tells us Jesus preached repentance. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
Jesus didn't think it was a problem to say, you're a sinner. You need repentance. Don't chafe at the thought. This is foundational. This is the entranceway to cleansing. And it's the entranceway to following the path of purity. It's the entrance ramp, if you will, to get on the right road. We can't be reconciled to God without repenting of our sin. Oh, people don't like it. Don't judge me. I'm a good person. You call it sin, but it's not sin to me. I'm not hurting anyone. Yet the Word of God tells us so many things that are right to the contrary. For example, coveting our neighbor's goods. Well, it might not hurt them, but God says it is sin. Do not do it. Cheating on your taxes. Oh, it doesn't hurt anyone. But Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar. I banged my car into the garage. You know, it was a pretty easy to call the insurance company and say, well, it was a hit and run in the parking lot. The deductible is waived. No money out of my pocket. After all, I've paid my premiums for years. This doesn't hurt anyone. But what's God's command? Thou shalt not bear false witness. So these things are sins, but, you know, we can all find our justification and say why. Well, I'm a good person and I live rightly and I'm not hurting anybody. But the GPS of the word marks out the way to the right path. It identifies the pitfalls. It shows you the the possible wrong turns. And with clear delineation, it shows us all the entrance ramp onto the highway of holiness. And that's where the course set out by God's word, set out by his map, his positioning system, that's where it's leading. It's leading to holiness. Holiness and godliness and contentment. Not happiness. At least not happiness defined by the culture. Now, if you define happy as being holy and godly and content, then you're listening to the right GPS. You're following the right way. But happy by the way of the world, that's accumulation of material things. Happy is advancing in your status. Happy is increasing in your power. That's the happiness that's defined by the world. But we find differently in God's word. We find that we should live differently. We read Paul telling his protege, Timothy, godliness and contentment are great gain. Paul didn't say, hey, Timothy, how's the bank account doing? Hey, Timothy, how's the stock portfolio doing? You know, the Dow Jones is about to hit 20,000. Have you checked it out lately? No, he didn't. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Living the word directs us towards holiness and ultimately an eternal destination. This GPS of God's word, it sets us on a course, and it's a course to a city. It's called the city of God. Abraham, the great patriarch of the Old Testament, he lived in tents, but he was looking forward to something greater. The Old Testament tells us that Abraham was looking forward to the city, and it's It's confirmed in the New Testament book of Hebrews that Abraham was looking for a city with foundations, not some tent that was just set in with pegs. He was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God Almighty. That's what Abraham was looking for because he had an eternity set in his mind and he was looking for an eternal destination. And he was on the right road, the road set out by God. 
the sons of Korah, who were choir masters in the Old Testament, they wrote a song. They recorded in Psalm 46. And they said, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place. This is the city of God. It's the holy place where the Most High dwells, they wrote. God, God wants us on the right road that leads to his eternal city. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah prophesying to the city of Jerusalem. He heard a word from the Lord that used this metaphor of a road. Jeremiah said this to the people of Jerusalem. This is Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. He says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. You will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Staying on the path of purity that leads to the city of God. The psalmist of Psalm 119 asked the question, and he gives the answer. How do you stay on the path? You have to live according to God's word. All the other paths, all the other roadways, they're just byways. Jeremiah says, stand at the crossroads and look for the good way. Find the good way, the way that God would have for you. you know, we all might be well-meaning. Some of us who say, well, I'm a good person. And my way is just fine. We might follow another road. Another road somebody else has strode down and followed their example because they seem so put together. Or we're pursuing after our own desires, following our own map. Or we're following some superstition. Or we're chasing after the traditions of men. Or we're just living a phony holiness like the Pharisees did in Jesus' time. But no way, no way is holiness in God's eyes, no matter how well-meaning we are. No matter how sincere we are. No matter how good or how noble we think our way is, unless our way is according to God's own word, it's not leading to holiness. Any other way, any other way is to say, I will not walk in it. Any other way is to be like the people of Jerusalem who refused to hear the prophet Jeremiah, who, who implored them, who encouraged them, come and follow the right road. No, I've got my own road. I'll go my own way. And they went their own way. And to God, they were saying, no, I will not walk in it. But the word, the word of God shows us the only way, the only way of reconciliation with God, the only way for life here on this earth and the only way for eternal life. We need to live this word. The word directs us to the way of being cleansed from the guilt of sin. Then the word guides us in the way of solid and true sanctification. The word directs us in growth as we progress toward eternity and as we progress toward this great city of God. How do we stay on this ancient path that Jeremiah talked about? The good way, the road that leads to rest for our souls, he said. We have the answer. We have the answer. We have the remedy. By living. By living his word. Today in our community Sunday, we saw parents who were diligent in God's word. Parents who are on course. 
parents who are serious about their children and about raising their children properly, about getting their children on the right path from the jump early on in life, and it's to be commended. They're, they dedicated their children before God this morning, and they dedicated their children to God this morning. And they have vowed, they stood up here and they made a promise, and they vowed to raise their children strong in God's word. And now we've witnessed baptisms this morning. There were three young people in the natural sense who were baptized. But they're also young in their walk with Jesus Christ. And you might be young in your walk with Jesus Christ. As they stay true to the word, as they keep their ear to this, to this positioning system, to God's positioning system, they'll keep on course. And as each one was baptized, baptism is a public declaration of faith in Christ. And they made this public declaration this morning. They declared before all of us that I understand the need for repentance. I've repented from my, ch- my sins. I have made that change of mind to turn and to go a different way and to go into the way that God would have me, follow the way that he has They have had that change of thinking, change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. And each one understood that Jesus Christ has called them to that, called them to repentance from sin, and that he has truly forgiven their sin. How so? Because Jesus made the promise that he paid for it by the giving of his life. It was a heavy price that Jesus Christ paid for the cost of sin, but Jesus paid it. And he asks all to repent. He asks all to accept this payment that he made and receive eternal life and get on the right path to the eternal city. And if you're in this sanctuary this morning and you've never sincerely repented, you've never really said, you know, I'll have that change of heart and that change of mind and go a different direction. You've never really sought forgiveness for your sins from Jesus Christ because maybe you didn't even think you were that, it's not that big a deal what I do. But it is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. Whether we think it's a big deal or not doesn't matter. His word tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. And we need to come to that. We need to come to that repentance. And I just want to take a minute right now. If you've never... You've never done that. You've never said, God, that's true. I do need that. I need to be forgiven. I want to get on the right path. You can do that right now. And I would just like to pray with you right now. If you're here this morning, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you've been here for many times, but you've never really submitted to Jesus. I just want to take a minute right now to pray. And those of you who have turned your life over to Jesus, you just pray with me. And if you've never given your life to Christ, you can do it right now. You can repent of your sins. Father, in the name of Jesus, if there's any in this room right now, God, who've never sincerely in their heart said, I I need you. I need to repent from my sins. I need to turn to a different way. I understand that my way is not perfect because I do sin. May it be little, may it be big, I've done it. God, I just pray that there'd be confession right now, 
in hearts and minds, Lord, confession of sins and turning to you, Lord, in repentance. And if there's anyone here who is making that prayer, Lord, and repenting to you, Lord, receive them. Lord, welcome them into your fold. God, bless them and grant them great entrance onto the highway of holiness. God, I pray that you would do a work in their lives. Lord, any and all who are saying, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I need you. I'm sorry. Take my life. Show me the way. God, for any in here, I pray, God, that you would indeed do that. You would show them the way. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for every soul in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed, if you prayed that this morning, you don't have to leave right away. If you want to come up and uh, talk to us at the altars or even stop at one of the uh, desks on the way out, we'll be happy to help you along in your new life with Jesus Christ. And even advancing and being water baptized because it's what the Word tells us. We repent, we're baptized, we begin to live in the kingdom of God. And we close today then with membership. Membership in our local church. The Word of God speaks of being in fellowship and submitting to spiritual leaders. And I want to read from Hebrews chapter 13, a couple verses, verses 7 and 17, because they, they tell us something important. They tell us something about living, and we want to live according to this word. Verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. God's Word gives us instruction here. It instructs that there's a responsibility, and it's a responsibility that needs to be upheld by all. As we welcome people into the membership of this local church, they pledge to submit to the authority of the church. That is their responsibility. And it's meaningful and it's important to say that I have submitted to the leadership of a church. This church, these leaders, these pastors, these elders, they will be my spiritual mentors and my spiritual teachers. But the responsibility doesn't end with them. There's a responsibility that's on the leadership as well. We have to be exemplary, it says in the book of Hebrews. Exemplary people that others would imitate. And we're charged, as pastors and leaders, we're charged with a great responsibility to watch over the members of the church. The, the King James Version says that we would watch over their souls. Now that's, that's a heavy responsibility. And it's a, it comes with a requirement. It says we must give an account to God. As leaders of the church, we take that responsibility seriously. But we take it with great joy. We receive it with joy because we see God providing the increase. God building his kingdom. God adding to his local churches and this local church. So it's my great joy this morning to close our service as we welcome new members into the church. And 
they have uh, been catechized. They've gone through our catechism class. And they are people who are following the right path. I've heard many of their testimonies as they've been confirmed in their catechism class. These are people that are following God's positioning system and living by the word. So I want to welcome into our membership, first of all, some who are coming back. And that's Nathan and Eliza Hood. Nathan and Eliza Hood uh, were members of our church for a time. Actually, Eliza was born and raised here. And they had some family uh, obligations and such that took them out for a number of years. But they're back. And we're glad that they're back. And they wanted to be welcomed up front. And I'm glad for that too. So uh, Nathan and Eliza are coming with their uh, two boys, Jacob and Grant. And let's... Excellent people. And we have also this morning Matthew and Rebecca Klug. Matthew is... Matthew and Rebecca are coming. Matthew is on our staff here at Bethesda. And Matthew and Rebecca have recently completed Bethesda's catechism. And their son, they have a beautiful son, Jonas. And, uh, and these parents love Jonas. There's no doubt about that. He's in our nursery right now. But we are glad to have Matthew and Rebecca. And we have Angel and, Al- and Alona Many. Now, Angel and Alona, they have, uh, they have recently finished their catechism. And I enjoyed hearing one of them give their testimony. Alona gave her testimony. Angel, you've seen uh, on our platform playing the cello. Uh, they've been around the church for a good number of years, but they have uh, recently finished the catechism class and they're taking membership seriously. So I want to welcome you two. And you come on up and come to an altar. And uh, we have some elders, some good elders that are going to pray with these folks. Uh, We just want to pray a blessing on them as they are coming into the membership of the church. As I said, they've taken it seriously, as do we. And I hope all of us in the sanctuary this morning. So if you would, please stand with me as we just pray a a blessing over uh, these And as we close this morning, too, after we pray, you don't need to rush out. I'd actually invite you all to the front where you can welcome each one of these uh, members of Bethesda. Father, thank you, Lord. First of all, thank you for the great time we've had together this day. Thank you for the blessing of the dedication of children, the great thing we saw in baptism. And now, Father, as we enter and, and bless these who are entering the membership of this local church. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have seen fit to add to the church. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray a blessing on these families. Lord, that you would bless them and watch over them. Lord, that they would indeed take their responsibility seriously about entering the membership of this local church. Lord, that they would continue 
to look to the leaders of this church to be spiritual mentors and guides, but ultimately, Lord, first and foremost, to see Jesus Christ and his way as the way to follow, that they would be people of the word, that they would be guided by your word, that they'd be directed by your word, that they would look to your word daily, Lord, for guidance, direction, and you'll bring them to holiness, godliness, and contentment. Father, I pray that this would be done for each of these families. Lord, I pray that each of these families would be blessed by you. Lord, for the children that are represented by these parents, bless them. Watch over their homes, God, and be with them. Thank you, Lord, for adding them to this church. And Lord, I pray that you would use them. God, expose gifts and talents in them that they may not even know that they have that they could use for your church and your kingdom to brighten it and to make it a better place. God, I know that there are gifts and talents in these that I don't know, but you do. I pray that you would expose them, that you'd open doors, and that you would use them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for all who are in this sanctuary, Lord, and joining in this prayer. Thank you that we can gather as your people, your people. Thank you, God. Bless each and every one of us as we go, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.